Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, Father God. We thank you this morning because we know your faithfulness is from everlasting to everlasting and that your promises still stand. We thank you that the plans you have for us are plans of peace and not of evil to bring us to an expected end. And so, Lord God, we worship you. We bless you. We thank you. We thank you for another glorious day. This is the day that you have made. We are rejoicing and we are glad in it. Blessed be the name of the Lord our God. Thank you, Father God. We honor you and we bless you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, guys, for a wonderful time of worship. And so this morning, I want to welcome everyone to this streaming service from Lawrenceville, Georgia, World Outreach Church for All Nations, where our vision is to build strong families and serve global communities. And so we welcome you once again, and we thank God for giving you the opportunity to join us as we celebrate the Lord's Day, and we're just hopeful something that God is going to say today will be a game changer in your life, to the glory of God in the name of Jesus. So I just want to encourage you again to continue to join us on the various platforms on Sundays at 10 a.m., Tuesday night we pray for the global community at 8 p.m., Wednesday night midweek refuel service at 7.30 p.m., and on Fridays at 12 noon we have a short prayer and exhortation. And so this morning, I'm going to go into the scriptures from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 and 12, using the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. And it reads, Hebrews 10, verse 11. Is that correct? Yeah, Hebrews 10, 11. Under the old covenant, the priest stands and ministers before the altar day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which can never take away sins. Verse 12. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honor at God's right hand. And so this morning I'm going to be speaking using the subject title, Are You Standing or Sitting? Are You Standing or Sitting? As I was preparing for this message, I just recall, I recalled an experience that my wife and I had, oh, several years ago now, uh, in a nation that I will not mention, uh, were flying from one part of the country on a domestic flight to another part. Uh, it was intended to be an one hour's flight. Uh, we got on the aircraft ready to go, uh, and then at the last minute, they opened the doors again, and in came in five men, fully garbed in flowing ropes. And I'm sitting there and saying, okay, uh, what's going on? Where are they going to put these guys? And to my dismay, two of them stood up front where the flight attendants would normally sit, and three of them went to the back and stood in the back. And I'm saying to myself, okay, what's, what's, what's going to happen here? And they cranked up the engines of the aircraft and began to taxi. And lo and behold, the plane took off and flew for one hour, 10 minutes, 
with five passengers in flowing robes standing. I can't make this up, folks. This is for real. It happened. I was there. My wife was there. And so we landed in my destination, and I called the pastor who had put us on the plane. I said, do you, can you, do, you, can, do you know what just happened? And I explained to him what we just went through, how people were standing in the flight. And he laughed. He said, oh, yeah, last week I had a guest speaker that came to town, and on that flight, they had no flight attendants. I said, okay, all right, good. All right, I, I don't need to say anymore. Good. This is, but I'm saying that to say, on that day on that flight, certain of us were sitting down, Comfortable for a ride, and others were standing. Now, let me give you a little background to Hebrews before we dive into the text itself. The book of Hebrews was written to those that we can call transitional believers. By that I mean most of this Hebrew audience lived during the time of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in the earth. They were familiar with the standing temple, all of the attending sacrifices that took place day after day after day, the slaughtering or sacrificing of animals, the burning of incense, the making of the table of showbread, and so forth and so on. All of them were very familiar with the old covenant sacrificial system. Now, since Jesus had died and rose again from the dead, many of them had become Christians. However, they still had a good recollection of what used to be. Not only that, they had family members who were still part of the old system telling them that this new faith they were part of cannot be real. So they were under constant barrage of persecution trying to bring them back to what used to be. So the book of Hebrews was written to encourage them so that they can remain steadfast in their faith. And the, in this book, we see a classic comparison of who Jesus was versus the old system. So constantly, you see the writer of the book of Hebrews make contrast between Jesus and the angels, Jesus and Moses, Jesus as the mediator of the new covenant of grace and Jesus on the high uh, versus the priestly, uh, the, the, the priesthood of Aaron. So on and on and on. So the entire intent of this book is to assure us of the supremacy of who the Lord Jesus Christ is. That there is none else that can be compared with him. There is none else that comes near or close to who he is. And that Jesus alone is enough. If you don't hear anything else today, Jesus alone is enough. So in the passage we just read, we see the contrast between the two priesthoods. And I just want to say that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ that we just experienced, we just celebrated about two weeks ago, is the most powerful event in human history. And that it provides for the believer resources for living, especially in chaotic times such as this. But unfortunately, many remain trapped by the religion that is based on the old covenant mindset. Now, the title again of this message is, Are You Standing or Are You Sitting? Standing is a performance-based living 
that leads to anxiety, stress, pain, and frustration. Again, standing represents, in what I'm saying this morning, the performance-based living that leads to anxiety, stress, pain, and frustration. Let me go to Jeremiah chapter 17 in verses 5 and 6. Jeremiah 17 verses 5 and 6 in the Amplified Classic. The Bible says very clearly in that passage that cursed is the man. Let's, let's read it. Thus says the Lord, cursed with great evil is the strong man who trusts in and relies on frail man, making weak human flesh his arm on whose mind and heart Turn aside from the Lord. Verse 6. For he shall be like a shrub or a person naked and destitute in the desert. And he shall not see any good come, but shall dwell in the parched places in the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Now that's the lot of a person who trusts in man, who is performance based in their mindset. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. However, sitting on the other hand is a reliance on the finished work of Christ and resting therein. So standing talks to us about a performance-based mentality whereby I'm thinking I can make it happen, I can do it because I can pray enough, I can give enough, I can fast enough, I can read enough, I can do enough good things to make God love me. Amen? That's not the way it works. Sitting, on the other hand, is a total reliance on the finished work of Christ and just trusting him. Jeremiah chapter 17, in verse 7. Jeremiah 17, verse 7. This is what it says. Most blessed is the man, or woman, who believes in, trusts in, and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence the Lord is. Hallelujah. I'm asking the question again. Are you standing or sitting? By standing, are you depending on your own effort, your own strength, your own means to please God, to get the favor of God? Or are you sitting, in which case, you are trusting and relying upon the finished work of God and say, Jesus, you've done it, and therefore I enter into your rest. You see, when I stand, as I'm doing right now, I have to depend on my own strength to carry my body. But if I sit down, all of a sudden, that weight is transferred to something or someone else. You get a picture? If you are standing, you are standing under your own power. But if you were to sit, all of a sudden, you don't need to expend the energy you do in standing. Why? Because that energy is not being transferred onto a chair, but in this case, for you and I as believers, onto the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I don't want to stand on my own. I want to sit in him. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Jesus, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 8, 6, that he is the mediator of a better covenant that is based on better promises. Let me go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Very quickly. So we understand that by standing, we have a performance-based mindset. I've got to make it happen on my own. I've got to do certain things to appease 
the favor of God, to get the favor of God, that's a performance-based mentality. Now, Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves. Do you see that? It is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not of works. That's what we're talking about. Not of works. It's not based on my performance, but based upon his love and his grace and his favor upon my life. Lest anyone should boast. Now, but verse 10. Now, let me let's stop for a minute there because many people say this and say, not of works, and say, well, that means I don't have to do anything. That means, fine, like go to the beach, sit on, the, on, the, on a lazy boy chair, sip Kool-Aid, and just do absolutely nothing. No. That's not what God says. Salvation is a gift of God, not of works. I cannot work to earn my salvation. I cannot work to earn God's favor. I cannot work or do anything to get the blessings of God. The blessings of God are freely given. It rains on the just and the unjust. I don't have to do anything to get those things from God. However, once I'm born again, let's read verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, I am not working to be saved, but I'm working once I'm saved. Let me say that again. Let me say that again. I'm not saved by works, but I'm saved for good works. I'm not saved by works. I cannot earn the favor of God. I cannot earn the blessings of God. However, because God has saved me, because God has blessed me, he has also created me unto good works. So it's not a matter of, not, of just chilling out and doing nothing. No, 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 no. The issue is your motivation. Why are you working? Are you working to appease God or are you working because God has already blessed you? So the issue here is we are not saved by works, but we are saved for good works. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So as believers, we work in serving the body of Christ and we work in serving our global communities. As a believer, we do not work to earn to merit or to deserve the blessings of God. We are already blessed in Christ Jesus. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.3. We are already blessed. And so because we are blessed, we wait and hear the voice of God and we get activated. We serve our local bodies and we serve our global communities. Amen? Now, back to the text in Hebrews 10, 11 and 12. Let me read that one more time and then I need to move on into this message now. Hebrews 10 again, verses 11 and 12. Let me go back there for one quick second. Thank you. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifice, sacrifices rather, which can never take away sins. Verse 12. But this man, hallelujah, 
Hey, glory to God. But this man, my Lord God Almighty, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Glory to God. Oh my God, I'm just standing here, I'm almost about to just fly away. Because just, just understanding the implication here. The priest in the Old Testament, as he went to minister daily, repeated the same sacrifices, day in, day out, year after year, that can never take away sins, did not once sit down. He could not sit, because there was no seat in the entire temple. The indication is you, the work was never finished. Over and over and over and over. Can you imagine that? Doing the same thing over and over and over and getting the same result, which is futility. No satisfaction, frustration. The same thing over and over. And my friends are hoping that you're going to change your mind today because many of us are in that place. We have been doing the same thing year in, year out, week in, week out, day in, day out, with no result. And we're not asking why. We just keep on doing it because what tradition said we should. But thank God, because this man, Jesus Christ, once and for all, made one sacrifice. And in that one sacrifice, it took away the sins, and it's never to be repeated, and it paid in full for our sins forward in advance. So more was done in a single act of sacrifice by a single person on a single day that was accomplished by many priests performing sacrifices day after day for a thousand years. Think about that. More was accomplished by one offering, one sacrifice than what was accomplished over a thousand years by multitudes of priests. Now, you may be saying to yourself, what relevance does this have to you and I today in Lawrenceville, in the United States, globally? What? What's the relevance? Who cares what the priest did back then? Oh, really? You see, while this verse was talking about Old Testament priesthood who tried to gain righteousness and peace by obedience to rituals, rules, and routines of the old covenant law, it is also speaking about us today when we follow in their footsteps. Please give me that scripture one more time. Hebrews 10 verse 11. Any translation, I don't care. Just give it to me. Watch this. Watch this. And every pretense. Isn't that amazing? Because in verse 12, he said, that's it, it, a, a contrast. But this man after he had offered, oh my goodness. I, I wish I had a screen to show you both scriptures side by side. So verse 12 is past tense, had offered. Verse 11, present continuous. Oh my God. And every priest stands, which means the Hebrew writer was not just talking about all those old guys. He's also looking forward and talking to you and I because we are you, you and I are in the present continuous now. Stand, stand in. 
every pristine present continuous, Jesus had offered. What's the point I'm making? In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, the Bible says, We are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, and a holy nation. 1 Peter 2 9. We're a chosen generation. We're royal priesthood. So, so the point I'm making here is you, like the priest of old, are same, you are both priests. We are priests today because the Bible says Jesus has washed us by his blood and made us to become kings and priests unto himself. So we are priests. So the issue, the issue before us today, that's why I asked the question, are you standing or sitting? So the question is, which priesthood are you following? Which priesthood are you following? Are we more like priests of the law? who perform rituals day after day, even though it's producing more of the same results, no satisfaction? Is that who we are? Are we standing or are we sitting? Is our priesthood going to be after the priesthood of Aaron? Or is it going to be after the priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ? For them, the key word was performance. Perform, 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 perform. And this performance track is a trap of continued stress, anxiety, and internal dissatisfaction. All you have to do is look around us today. People are stressed out. Why? Because we are doing things God never asked us to do. Amen? So are we going to find our priesthood, priesthood like the one of Aaron, or like the one in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose completeness of victory we rest? Now, go with me to Ephesians chapter 1, verse 20 through 21. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Ephesians 1, verse 20. This is what it says. It says, which, let me show I have the right chapter. Okay, yeah. Which walked, no, which you walk in Christ Jesus, when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Now, this is the point. Not only did Jesus sit down, as we read in Hebrews 10, verse 12, here in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we are told where he is seated. He's sitting at the right hand. What is the significance of that? Have you ever heard the terms, he's my right hand man? When you hear that, you know what that means. The right hand is a place of honor. It's a place of strength. It's a place of authority. It's a place of favor. So Jesus did not just ascend to heaven, Yes, he did, but he ascended and is sitting at the right hand, a place of trust, a place of authority, a place of strength, a place of favor. But now, that's not all that happened. The Bible tells us where is this right hand? We are told it's in the heavenly places. Oh my God. At the throne of grace, that is. Now, we are given specific instruction about this. 
The Bible says, is far above all principality and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. I feel so sorry for my brothers and sisters who are still scared of demons and witches and wizards. They've not read the manual. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus did not just go to heaven, not just sitting at the right hand of the throne, but the Bible says far above principalities and powers and dominion and might, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. Jesus is above every demonic operation. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Jesus is way above all of that. Man, a couple of years ago, I took a flight when the weather was very bad, raining, thunderstorms. I'm at the airport at the gate waiting to, to take this flight. I said, wow, this is really bad. We got on the flight and the pilot, uh, he told us that climbing out of the city of Atlanta is going to be rough because of the turbulence and the bad weather. And so indeed, for the first 25 minutes of the flight, we're just bouncing around like a, like a ball, like a yo-yo. You know, but you know, after about 35, 40 minutes of continual climbing and flying, all of a sudden, all that bad weather became history. Because it flew long enough until it cleared the clouds. And all of a sudden, here is this bright, sunny day, far above principalities, far above powers, far above dominions and might. And all of a sudden, the turbulence was a thing of history. It still existed, but it didn't affect us any longer. I know we're in a lockdown. Coronavirus is changing things all around us. But I want you to know, Jesus, the mediator of the covenant in which you are living in, he has offered us a more, far better covenant based on better promises. He's right now far above principalities, above powers, above dominion, above mind, and every other thing that can ever attack or infringe on the benefits that we have in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. So even though the surrounding and the environment and all the things that's going on around us is not good, the disease is real, and we want to make sure we encourage everyone to adhere to all the instructions from your government, fulfill the social distancing and all the other things. I understand all of that. We should. But you must also recognize that you're a dual citizen. <laughs> you not only live here on the earth, but you only have a place in Christ Jesus that is far above Corona, far above SARS, far above every flu and every disease and every sickness, every demonic operation. Hallelujah. You're far above those things. Glory to God. Because we have a new covenant in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, uh, if you're familiar with the National Football League, NFL, American football, Coaches don't just sit on the, uh, on the sidelines. They have some of them embedded way on top in the rafters. Way up there. They're watching the games and they're transmitting information to everybody on the sideline. Why is that? Because they understand that from that far proximity, from that 
from that place where they are, in the heavenlies, if you will, they have a different perspective. Those of you that's watching on the sideline, you are seeing one thing, but for them that's way up there, they are seeing a totally different thing. And you need them to give you information so you know what to do on the ground. That's what Jesus does for us. Jesus has a different perspective. Hallelujah. Yes, we are living in hard times, tough times, crisis times. It is true. He said, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Glory be to God. And because he has overcome the world, we are more than conquerors through him that love us. It's all a matter of perspective. It's all a matter of perspective. When you are standing, you are seeing a different perspective. But when you are sitting with him, you are seeing a totally different perspective. Now, this way it gets interesting. In Ephesians chapter 2, in verse 6, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, He, Jesus, that we were raised up together with him, and it may, let, let me just read from the end, even when we were dead in trespass, okay, that's verse 5, okay, it made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved, verse 6, and watch this now, and raised us together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. <laughs> I just described to you where Jesus is sitting. Far above principalities, above powers, above dominions, above might. Now the Bible tells me and you that Jesus did not just sit there by himself. Glory to God. But he made you and I alive together with him. Oh, glory to God. And made us sit together with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what does that mean? It means not only that Jesus is sitting far above principalities and powers, it means you as well, you, all of us who are believers are also living far above principalities, above powers, might, and dominion. Why are you going to believe these lies about the devil trying to do this and that to you? Why are you going to believe more of the devil than Jesus? What is our problem? The Bible is so clear. You're praying. Ah, give him karate. Ah, 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 slay your devil. Ah, ah, the devil. Ah, give him an uppercut. Ah, do this. Ah, all this nonsensical gymnastics that makes good for a cartoon rather than for the kingdom of God and for the Bible. As a child of God, you are living far above principalities. Above powers, might and dominion. That is the place of your residence. That is where you are. But please look at this scripture again. It is verse 6. He raised us up. Thank God for that. In other words, his death was our death. Oh, glory to God. And his resurrection was our resurrection. But that's not all. He now made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Please pay attention to that. In, not with Christ Jesus. Ooh. In, not just with. No, 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 no. You are not sitting with him. You are sitting in 
Let us sing in for a minute. Because that's, that's a biggie. We are sitting in Christ Jesus. I know that I'm speaking to a lot of women there this, this morning, this afternoon, this, this evening, whenever you are watching this. A woman that's had a child, had a baby, carried a baby, you understand what I'm saying? Because for the period of that pregnancy, for those nine months, that baby is not living with you, the baby is living in you. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. And wherever the mother goes, automatically what happens? The baby goes. When the mother lies down to sleep, the baby lies down with the mother. When the mother eats, the baby eats with the mother. When the mother is walking, the baby, in other words, the union between the mother and the child is inseparable. <laughs> the Bible said, Jesus made me and you to sit together in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. You and I are in him. We are not just with him, we are in him. Inseparable union in Christ. So Jesus' destiny is my destiny. If coronavirus can get Jesus, then he can get me. But I know better than that. He's better, he's better than sickness. He's better than poverty. He's better than distress. He's better than frustration. Jesus is above all of these things. And therefore, I am above them too. Glory to God. You can have to get him to get me. Oh, hallelujah. My life is hid in God, in Christ Jesus. And so is yours. So it's yours. So the believer in Christ is in union with him very much as the unborn child is in the mother. And so some of you will say this morning or this afternoon, but pastor, that's impossible. How can that happen? How can that be? How can I be here in Bethlehem, Georgia, or Lawrenceville, Georgia, or London, England, New York, New York, Sydney, Australia, Afghanistan, Kabul, Bangkok, Thailand, Shanghai, Yangon, wherever you are. You are wondering, how in the world can I be here presently and you are telling me I'm also in Christ Jesus? Well, I'm telling you that because that's what the Bible says. And if you don't hear anything else I have to say, you need to hear this scripture. You know, Hebrews 11.3. Hebrews 11.3. This is what it says. By faith we understand. Let me just stop right there. Do you see what I just read? By faith we understand. Most of us are trying to understand and then get the faith. The Bible said when you believe it, their understanding will come. Because many of you are sitting there and say, scratching your heads. How can I be in Christ Jesus when I'm here in Lawrenceville? How can I be in Christ Jesus when I'm in Sydney? I'm in Morocco. Wherever you are, you are scratching your head trying to understand that. Forget that! Do you understand how the engine in your car runs and you drive the car every day? You don't say, well, because I don't understand how it works, I'm not going to drive the car. You get in there and drive anyway. The Bible said... Jesus died as you and raised as you. And now you are seated together with him in heavenly places. That's settles it for me. 
I don't need understanding. The Bible said it, I'm going to believe it. And once I believe it, my experience lines up with what I believe. Because, my friends, here's something that's there today. You behave what you believe. You behave what you believe. If you believe it, understanding comes. Revelation comes. Amen? So being seated is the position of the believer in Christ. And the implication is that, here it is, your position will always determine your disposition. Your position, what you believe your position to be, will always determine your disposition. As you act, how you respond, how you behave. And the location where you think you are will always determine your allocation. Many of us are living in lack. We are living in distress, in anxiety, depression, because we have not come to grips with where we are and who we are. You've got to resolve the issue of your identity. And along with your identity comes the issue of your union with Lord Jesus Christ. So the point this morning, whether you are sitting or standing, and I need to bring this to a close, I'm not finishing this morning, it's obvious, is the reality of your spiritual identity being worked out in your earthly existence? You must recognize that Jesus was not raised from the dead so we can live in stress, in anxiety, in burnout, in despair, and in depression. No, that he did not raise from the dead to have us being same old, same old, same old. No. John 10, 10 says, he came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. That word abundantly means enhanced living, the quality of life. It didn't come so I can keep on running the same rat race that I ran without Christ. No. Hallelujah. So for many of us, there's a gap between the peace that Jesus offers and our current life's reality. And I'm going to have to pick it up from here next week because I don't want to wear you out. I have so much more information to give you. But suffice it to say, if you're a child of God, you are seated right now, right now. This is not something that will happen next week, next year, in 20 years. It's not something that will happen if you say night prayers or fast 12 days. Of No, it's a reality as far as God is concerned. In John chapter 14, Jesus says, let your heart not be troubled. Believe in God and believe in me. He said, my father's house, there are many mansions. He said, I'll go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, there you may be also. Simple as that. He wants to be with his bride. And you are his bride. I cannot the scriptures. I'm going to close it with this last story. And then I'm going to pray. In 1996, the Olympics held in Atlanta. And the Nigerian Olympic Committee asked me to come to a special banquet, dinner, whatever they call it, to pray for the Nigerian contingent of the Olympics. So I went along with my wife. So we got there, and they had maybe about half an hour of meat and great, hot dogs, cocktails, 
And the person who invited me told me, he said, Pastor, just sit down here at the right time. They're going to invite you to the high table. No problem. So the right time came, and they began to make the call. They started calling people from the microphone to come to the high table. So they came to my name. They called my name, introduced me as a pastor in the city. And without even thinking about it, I grabbed my wife's hand, and we both went to the high table and just sat down. Mind you, they only called me. But she's my bride. And my destiny and hers is linked together. I didn't have to think about it. I didn't care what kind of protocol they had in place. Whether they had one chair or two chairs, it didn't matter. I'm not going to bring my wife in function and abandon her to go to a high table. No way. I'm saying that to say this. Jesus did not raise from the dead to abandon you. You are his bride. He came to the earth to redeem you so that you and him can live together forever. It's not about to now abandon you. You must understand that. Say, Pastor, I don't understand it. Okay, maybe you don't understand. Just believe it. Talk to your father. Say, Father, I don't understand what you've done. But your word says so, and I believe it. Help me now to come to the revelation. Now, if you are not born again, you can be born again. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He didn't just come for the church, he came for the world. And so I'm saying to you this morning, you also can find a seat in Christ Jesus right now, today, if you just believe that Jesus came, died as you for your sins, was buried and raised again from the dead. Ask you for your victory. It's that simple. When you believe, you become a part of the bridal company. And so I want to pray for you right now. If that is you, wherever you're listening, just say these few words after me because I want you to be a part of this great winning team. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, your son, I thank you for this awesome privilege knowing that I don't have to go through all these hoops to be a child of God. You simply say, if I believe in your son Jesus and the once and for all sacrifice that he made at Calvary and as you raised him from the dead, that I shall be saved. And so, Lord, I thank you. I accept Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for bringing me into the company of your bride. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Now, if you said that prayer, I want to welcome you to the incredible family of God where everyone is a winner, where everyone is living far above principalities, powers, dominion, and might in the incredible and majestic name of the Lord Jesus. God bless you, real God. Amen. And so now we're going to flow into our Thanksgiving service presided over by none other than Pastor IBK. God bless you.